You're listening to a podcast from Oasis Church Bath. To find out more about us, visit our website at www.oasisbath.org. So uh, when I was a kid, which was a while ago now, um, I was a devoted follower of Exodus City Football Club. Uh, So I went with my dad to to every home game, and uh, we went to a few away games too. Um, There were some glory days. Uh, The the promotion season of 1977 is a treasured memory. Uh, But mostly, it was a matter of hope rather than expectation. We kept believing, despite the evidence in front of us. But I also grew up going to church, and so, of course, I learned about prayer, and, and I was encouraged to pray. And so it wasn't long before I made the connection between these two things. Surely I could pray for my team to win. And when your team is hovering around mid-table in the old fourth division, that's quite an attractive option. Surely prayer could help. And so I began to pray earnestly. But then a thought began to take root in my mind and and to sort of grow and and establish itself there. Because I realized then that Well, if I was praying for my team, then surely other teams would have their supporters praying for them as well. And what if they had more people praying for their team? And and given the size of Exodus fan base, that was quite a a distinct possibility. So I couldn't quite get my head around this. How does all this work? And so my Exeter intercessions soon fizzled out. And so ended my first attempt to grapple with the mysteries of prayer. Jumping forward to just the last few weeks, uh, Julia's had a nasty cough, which seems to have cleared up now, which is great, but it hung around for quite a long time, Um, and it meant that uh, she was getting very little sleep, which of course impacts everything else, so the whole thing was was not pleasant at all. And it's really hard, you know, whenever anybody that you care about is unwell, it's hard, isn't it, to be a helpless spectator. But I found something strange, I found that I, I couldn't pray, I was trying to pray, and it was like there was a kind of almost a physical obstacle to me praying. I wanted to, of course, but there was something stopping me from doing so. What, what was that all about? I think it was because I didn't really know how to pray, what to pray for, because I knew that everybody gets coughs and colds, and so praying for healing didn't seem appropriate. It just kind of didn't seem right, so there was this kind of intellectual barrier which became almost a physical barrier I just couldn't step over that threshold of course I wanted her to get better for my sake as well as hers being honest but mostly because I cared deeply for my wife but there was this obstacle this barrier I kind of was brought up short as Joe said over the past few months, we've been looking at this, this uh, topic of prayer in these hybrid services, p- perspectives on prayer. So Joe kicked the series off um, back in April with a, an introduction, and then Elizabeth did a lovely talk on cont- contemplative prayer. Uh, and then last uh, month, Gaynor uh, explored the whole uh, idea of prayer as conversation. So there have been some really good talks, some really good uh, insights from those talks. And so my job today is to round this little series off by thinking about prayer as petition, which means asking for things. Petition, just a posh word, isn't it, for asking for things, either for ourselves or for other people. And I guess that this kind of prayer 
is probably what most people think of when they think about prayer, particularly if they're not especially religious. You kind of ask the, um, the archetypal man in the street, what do you think about prayer? What is prayer? They would have some notion, I think, that it's about asking for things. It's about asking God for things. On the other hand, it seems to me that within church, where we have uh, maybe a broader view of what prayer is, it can seem that petitionary prayer is almost a little bit second-rate, that the really kind of deep, full-on prayer is not the, the prayer where you're asking for things, but it's all those other aspects of prayer. Uh, and it, it can sometimes feel as if petitionary prayer has become a little bit kind of second-class citizen. And there's the stereotype, isn't there, of the shopping list, where you just reel off a load of needs and names. And it kind of feels like prayer should be more sophisticated than that. And there's always that danger, isn't there, uh, in church as in anywhere else, where we, we throw out the baby with the bathwater. We use that rather grotesque expression. Uh, but there's always that danger, and it, perhaps we're in danger of that when we think about this aspect of prayer. And when we think about prayer as petition then this is where the whole, all, all the kind of the difficult questions, the challenges about prayer begin to kind of come to the surface, don't they? When we're thinking about prayer as petition, when we're thinking about asking God for things, that's when prayer can become quite complicated, quite challenging. Because here we're faced with those questions about how prayer works. Or even whether it works at all in the sense of getting what we ask for. So the reasons perhaps why uh, we might shy away from thinking about petitionary prayer, why, why we might prefer to think about prayer in other ways, and yet there's something about it which is actually fundamental to our understanding of prayer and to our kind of instincts as human beings, I think. So my childhood grappling with this issue in the context of football, of course, was uh, neither especially intense or profound, but for many uh, there are very profound and, and challenging questions which are raised when we think of prayer in this way. So when we think about prayer as petition, it's, it's where the rubber hits the road, isn't it? It's where we, we have to grapple with some of these issues. So I'm very grateful that we settled on this, the title, Perspectives on Prayer. Because this series is not about being prescriptive, it's not about seeking to provide answers. It's about sharing personal insight and experience. And that's really important, is it? Because in the end, prayer is really about opening ourselves up to God. Or as, as Jo put it in her talk, it's an intentional turning toward the God with whom we are in friendship. An intentional turning toward the God with whom we are in friendship. And if that's what prayer is, then that involves all of us, all of our being, doesn't it? Who we are as people. All, the, all of those things that make up who we are. And so prayer is ultimately a very personal experience. And so when we talk about prayer, it seems ultimately we can only really share our own experiences and say, well, this is what I've found. This is how it works for me. So that maybe lets me off the hook a little bit with some of these big questions, but I will try and grapple a little bit with those. But rather than attempting to give a definitive explanation or a comprehensive overview, of prayer as petition. I'd just like to share some thoughts that have been just rattling around in my head recently. I won't claim any more than that, but here we go. So first of all, back to Julia's cough and that barrier, that brick wall that I came up against in prayer. 
And as I was thinking about that, I was reminded of that passage that John uh, referred to earlier. And I'm, I'm loath to sort of say any more about that now because I don't have a giant minion or a space hopper to, to kind of work with here. But uh, I did just, just to, if you bear with me, let's just reflect for a moment on that passage again. So, and the bit that is particularly of interest is this. So this is the NRV translation. Do not be anxious about anything but in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. I've missed that bit off the, the text there, but, but that's part of it too. So it's a great encouragement to prayer, isn't it? And I, I love those little words, anything and everything. Anything and everything. Because as John mentioned in, in his bit, if, uh, if I were to do a survey here this morning and ask you, what are you anxious about? What makes you anxious? There would be all sorts of things that we would come up with, a whole diversity of things. There might be some things that we're a bit embarrassed about. I get anxious around wasps and things like that, you know, and Julia's much tougher than me when it comes to coping with these things. But you know, there will be those things that cause us anxiety, some of them fairly trivial, but other things that go very deep for us. Some things perhaps that we find it quite hard to talk about. That great diversity amongst us, I'm sure, as to, as to what those things might be. And the great thing about this, this verse, this passage, is that it, it's saying to us that whatever it is that's bothering you, whether you think it's a silly little thing, whether you think it's the biggest thing in the world, whatever anyone else might think about this thing, if it matters to you, then it matters to God. If it bothers you, then, then pray about it. Bring it to God. Anything, everything. Nothing is off limits. Nothing is trivial, ultimately, because if it matters to you, then it's important to God too. And so if prayer is about opening ourselves up to God, then it is about sharing all of that stuff. The little things, the big things. Because that's what friends do. If we're in friendship with God, then friends talk about that stuff, isn't it? And, and a good friend is someone that you can tell about some of that, that, those silly little things that bother you that maybe you wouldn't say to anyone else. So it's a lovely picture of prayer, I think, which is just about sharing who we are, everything, those things that make us anxious. Do not be anxious about anything but in everything. And the promise is peace, peace which passes understanding, peace which doesn't make sense, peace which contradicts the evidence, contradicts what's going on around us, doesn't flow from our circumstances. But it sort of stands in opposition to what's going on. And so as I reflected on, on this passage again, which I knew very well, I found a way in which I could pray for Julia in her situation, to pray for peace, pray for a sense of calm in the midst of it, while the cough took its course, which it did. And it might seem perhaps as if this is a bit of a cop-out, as a way of kind of getting around dealing with those big issues. Well, we just pray for peace and we don't really ask for much more than that. Perhaps, I don't know. It's certainly not the whole answer, is it? But I think there is something quite important here. I think Paul is showing great perception when he picks up on this issue of anxiety because actually whenever we're going through trials and tribulations, when stuff is going wrong in our lives, when there's stuff that we're anxious about for ourselves or for others, or things that are happening to us that, are, that are, are difficult for ourselves or others, anxiety is very much part of the picture, isn't it? And anxiety can make things so much worse. We're facing a difficult decision. We're facing something coming up at work that we know is going to be difficult. If we're facing ill health, whatever it may be, 
Anxiety kind of adds other levels of difficulty to the situation. Anxiety pre prevents us from seeing clearly, from thinking carefully about what to do. Anxiety tends to pile things up, doesn't it? So that the thing that we're worried about is, becomes much bigger because we've added in all these other things. We begin to catastrophize and all, all those sorts of things. So anxiety is, is actually a really important ingredient of the challenges that we face in life. And so to, to, to find peace is not insignificant. It's not uh, unimportant for us. And so we have this encouragement to pray in everything, for anything. The other Bible passage which Julia read to us also speaks to this question of prayer as petition. And on the face of it, it seems to say some quite challenging things to raise all those questions about how prayer works. Jesus says, Therefore I tell you, whatever you ask for in prayer, believe that you have received it and it will be yours. So there we are. If you thought I was ducking out of the big stuff, here we go. Is Jesus telling us we can basically ask for what we like and believe hard enough, we'll get it. Really? Is that really what Jesus is saying? I think we know that he isn't, but he does seem to be saying that, doesn't he? I mean, it's kind of there, fairly clear, black and white. Is that really true? Is prayer just a matter of positive thinking? And if we don't get our prayers answered, is it because we didn't believe hard enough? Ooh, all sorts of nasty thoughts uh, flow from that. And all sorts of really difficult things can flow from that sort of thinking. You know, if I'm honest, there are some things I just wish Jesus hadn't said. But he said this, and we do need to grapple with it. But as I was reflecting, I came across this passage again recently. And as always, whenever we're reading anything from the Bible, but I think particularly perhaps the words of Jesus, the context is so important. And in this case, in particular, the context is really important. So Jesus is speaking these words. They come from Mark's Gospel, Mark chapter 11. Jesus is speaking these words, having recently arrived in Jerusalem. So, you know, the triumphal entry, coming in on the donkey, Hosanna, all of that. And then Jesus, we're told in Mark's Gospel, goes into the temple. He looks around. He goes back out of the city again. He comes back in the next day. On the way into the city, he curses a fig tree, goes into the temple, he casts down all the tables of the money lenders and the, and the, the money changers, uh, the people selling uh, the doves and everything else for the sacrifices, goes out of the city again. And it's as the, the disciples and Jesus are coming back into Jerusalem again the following day, when they notice that the fig tree that Jesus has cursed has died, that's when uh, these words are spoken. So the context of that whole passage is judgment. It's judgment on a system in Jerusalem which has become corrupt, a system which is nearing its end. Jesus, in knocking over the tables of the money changers, has announced the end of the temple system. In cursing the fig tree, he's enacted a parable, and it's kind of a prophetic act which says the people of God should always be bearing fruit, not just when it's, there, when it's the season, not just when they feel like it, not just when the Romans have gone and we can get on with our lives. The people of God need to be bearing fruit all of the time. So these are, these are acts of judgment. These, this is about the end of a system which is broken and the coming, the inbirth, the, the incoming of a new system, the kingdom of God coming. That's what Jesus is announcing as he does these things. 
And so when he speaks about the mountain being cast into the sea, he's not just talking about any old mountain, he's not just using hyperbole, he's talking about the mountain on which the temple in Jerusalem is situated. He's saying this system will come to an end because it is corrupt, it's no longer fit for purpose. The kingdom of God is coming. And so when Jesus says to them, encourages them to pray, to ask for things in prayer, what he's saying is believe that the kingdom of God is coming. Pray for it. Work for it. Give yourselves to it. Believe that this is happening. That's the context. This isn't just a blank check which enables us to pray for whatever we want. This is about the kingdom of God and about praying and living and giving ourselves to seeing the kingdom of God come. And so when we pray for, our, for ourselves and for others, we might ask that question, what does the kingdom of God look like here in this situation? Where is God at work? What is he doing here? What is he asking me to do alongside my prayers? And it may well be that sometimes we are called to be the answer to our own prayers as we do that, as we pray with, with our ears open and our eyes open. It may well be that God is then calling us to be the answer to our own prayers. And so that kingdom perspective is important when we think about prayer and as we think about what it means to pray and to, to, seek, uh, to seek God's intervention in those situations in our lives, in the lives of others that cause us pain, that cause us distress. It's about having that kingdom perspective, trying to see what God is doing, trying to see what that bigger picture might be. But often, of course, we're still left in that place where we feel helpless, aren't we? Often in our prayers, yeah, sometimes we will find that as we pray, so God is prompting us to, to be the answer to our prayers. But often we're still left in that place where we're helpless, where there's nothing that we can do. And especially, I think, when someone is sick or dying or when, when there's some ordeal that they have to go through, which only they can go through. Those times when we feel helpless, often prayer arises because we feel helpless. And that, for me, that takes, takes us really to the heart of what prayer as petition is. Because for me, prayer is fundamentally a cry from the heart. And there are times, and perhaps at its purest, prayer is that. It, it's, it kind of bypasses the intellectual processes. It's not about framing good words it's that cry from the heart. And I often find myself simply praying, oh Lord, as I just hold someone before God. Because I, I don't know what to pray and I don't know what the words should be and I, I haven't got it figured out. But what I do know is that God cares for them and I know that I care for them. And sometimes that's enough. Because that, that's the bottom line, isn't it? It's our love for others and it's, and it's our, it's our trust that God cares too. And so I think really, essentially, that's what petitionary prayer is. It's, it's, that, it's what happens when our love for others and for ourselves merges. Petitionary prayer is what happens when our love for others and for ourselves merges with our trust in the God who loves all of creation beyond measure. So coming together, the fusing, the colliding of those two things, if you like. And out of that fusion comes something new and beautiful. Something is created when we pray. 
in a kind of spiritual sense, when we pray in that way, when we bring together our love for others and for ourselves too, and that trust in the God who cares for all that he has made. You're listening to a podcast from Oasis Church Bath. To find out more about us, visit our website at www.oasisbath.org.